the 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911 got that deer in the headlights look from the salesperson at your local auto parts store this unfortunately is common these days but don't stress there is an easy solution try shopping at west side auto supply steve kevin and jackie have over 130 years of combined experience in the auto parts industry they will only sell you the top quality parts for your hot rod or daily driver their prices are competitive with the box stores so head to west side auto supply at 56 prado and slow buy the best from the best west side auto supply whether you're driving one of these one of these Or someday, even one of these. Whatever you're driving, Motormouths has answers for all of your automotive questions. And now your host, Jason from Absolute Auto Tech. Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing on this beautiful Saturday morning, crisp, cool Saturday morning? I hope you all had fun. I have, I'm back. I am. I'm back. Back in the flesh, as it would be. And we are here to talk cars. I'm curious about your car questions, your car concerns. You can give us a call, 805-543-8830, and we can talk about it. So, if you have the time, the place, the space, the parts, the inclination, and... I forgot the last one, darn it. Give us a call, 805-543-8830. I'm Jason the Motormouth. You're here to help. <laughs> I am here to help. <laughs> now I can hit it. There now I go. got the cue. There it is. I was like... <laughs> He's been making me wait. <laughs> so we were gone to see the King of the Hammers out at Johnson Valley, California again this year. Um, one of my favorite races to watch. Probably one of the only races I watched. It's funny. Um, and because it is so much fun to ride out there, if you're an off-road person and enjoy the dirt then um, you need to experience Johnson Valley. It is an incredible place to go out and have fun and enjoy. Um, we had a lot of fun. We broke cars. We watched cars. We watched broken cars. We watched people fix broken cars. We fixed broken cars. Um, <laughs> the mechanical skills definitely come into play when you're at, at Johnson Valley. Um, the... Um, but one thing I experienced that I really wanted to share with everyone is on my car, my, my little side-by-side, uh, we were driving it, and I felt like it was pulling to the right, and I was having to correct left. And so we got to a stopping point, and I shook down the front end. I checked and see what was going on. We have a tire problem. We have a ball bear, a ball joint, a tie rod. What was happening and why it was acting so weird. And the front end was very tight. Everything was fine, just like I expected it to be. So I moved to the back to see if there was something wrong in the back. And you finally, you could see where the left rear tire was pitched in. And it was actually moving the car it was driving the car um to go right and i was correcting that with the with the steering wheel and it was it what it really showed me 
I mean, it was a dramatic situation, you know, as far as cars on the road, as far as what you would normally drive. But what it did is it showed me how really super important it is to have the rear tires and the rear alignment on your car set properly. So if you're a person that believes because you grew up and you're like me and you grew up, well, quite some many moons ago, that the front end is what you want aligned and don't worry about the back because it's no big deal, though that is not the case anymore. Our most of our cars are four wheel alignable, four wheel independent vehicles, all the way up to your pickups, up to your uh, half ton, three quarter, one ton pickups. Most all smaller cars are newer, you know, the last twenty years or so, and and every year they get to be more and more of become four wheel independent vehicles. And that means those rear tires need to be aligned. That rear end needs to be aligned. And when you do an alignment, you need to start with the rear tires and then move forward because they can make such a huge difference. The other thing is the misconception that I grew up with of having the best tires in the front on a front-wheel drive car is a real misconception. Yes, the front tires wear faster than the rear on a front-wheel drive car because most of the action is happening in the front. The drive is happening in the front. The braking is happening in the front. The most severe action happen- is happening in the front. So it wears farther, uh, faster. But as my side-by-side showed me, if you have a problem in the rear, if you have a, a tire that blows out or uh, hydroplanes or something going on in the rear, it really dramatically changes the front. And when you're trying to correct a rear steer situation with the front steering, it becomes exceedingly Difficult, especially at speed. When you're traveling 65, 70 miles an hour and there's a problem with the rear of the car, we are not race car drivers, most of us. We aren't. I'm not. Um, And we don't train every day, every week to handle emergency situations in our car. We are very spoiled in that our cars are very reliable and they are very well engineered to help us. But when we have a problem like that, our minds tell us how to correct it instantaneously, involuntarily. And if it acts differently than you're capable of, of realizing, then you're going to have an accident and damage yourself and your car and or. Um, think about it this way. If you've ever seen a skateboarder and they're on their skateboard jumping uh, 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 um, uh, curbs and and playing around and they don't care about little lines in the cement and they don't care about what happens and they just flip around and have fun and you get on their skateboard or a skateboard just like theirs and fall on your butt instantly it's not because you don't know well it's not because you can't ride a skateboard and they can it's because you don't have the training your inner ear connected to your brain and your involuntary muscles changing the way you hold your weight to make up for the what the board's doing they have just taught them taught their body how to do that well unless you're a race car driver playing around with broken cars you're not going to be able to react properly and now cause a big big issue so i, I 
If you have any questions, I'd love to talk more about this for people that have questions on this, 805-543-8830. But understand that you want the rear of your car in tip-top condition because it's nearly impossible to steer through that problem. So we have Dave from Los Osos. Good morning, Dave. How are you doing this morning? Hey, good morning. Actually, I have a question I think sort of related to what you're talking about. I have a 2017 GMC one-ton van, two-wheel drive, the 4.8 liter with a six-speed tranny, and it has the, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, stable track or stability track, and then they has traction control, and I believe reading the manual when I go off uh, on a forest road or a logging road that's a little muddy or maybe just a little bit of snow, I turn both of those off, and I want to make sure that's a good thing to do. I think it, I'm reading different things in forums. I think that helps with uh, better traction. So I'm, first question is, is that a good thing to do? I'm driving like 5, 10 miles an hour on these logging roads. And then the second question is, is that like a locking differential or a pause attraction, or how does all that work? Okay, so in, in my pea brain, what I see it is that, yes, it can make your life much easier um, when, the, when the car doesn't, so the car doesn't know what kind of train you're on, and it doesn't know what you're trying to do. What it's trying to do is make the car handle properly on asphalt, and then if you're in an icy situation or a snowy situation, something where a muddy road, it's going to help compensate as much as it can for those conditions. The the one, uh, um, the anti-slip or anti, the traction control, basically lowers the horsepower to the tires, the torque, drops the torque to the tires so that they don't want to spin out and slip. And it basically takes someone that's not familiar or good at driving in those conditions and makes them much better at it. So that mm-hmm. if you're in the sand, it used to be in the sand, if you're in the sand and in my truck in the sand, well, if you just put your foot on the throttle like you're on asphalt, you just dig in and get stuck. If you babied the throttle, you could kind of dig your uh, drive off in the soft sand. Well, the same thing happens with these cars. It babies the throttle even though you're not doing it. It does it for you. Then the other half is the stability control is going to help and it's going to apply brakes and change power so that it keeps you in um in it going a direction the car is capable of going. In other words, if you're driving down the road and the dog jumps out in front of you and your instant knee-jerk reaction is to swerve around it, but your car can't make that turn because of traction, because of weight, uh, inertia, then what it does is it's, it, it makes it harder for you to turn the steering wheel, and then it makes it to where it grabs brakes, the right brake, shoes or pads to slow pull the car into control so that it doesn't go out of control Mm -hmm. so turning those things off will allow you to be complete control of the vehicle and not having the computer modifying things and or lying to you Um, Mm -hmm. on the rack in the shop when we'll let's say let's say you bring a car like that into the shop and we need to lift the rear the, the rear tires up and spin them at 60 miles an hour to listen for a noise in the rear, okay? Well, it sees the front tires not moving, and some cars will limit me to 15 miles an hour on the rack, no matter what I do, until I turn those features off. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, and I, you know, 
Yeah, it does make sense. I've done a lot of driving in snow and mud and stuff, and in the old days, back in the 70s, you didn't have these, so you just had to learn how to throttle properly. But So turning that off on a logging road or a uh, – because there were some people on forums that were having trouble with getting traction they needed in mud or snow, and they said turning that off helped. And I think it does. You know, I drive so slow, and I still just habitually will be very careful with the throttle if I'm in a situation where i got to kind of, you know, creep out. But by turning those off, uh, does that really help me? Does that does it actually have a locking differential, if that's the right term? Those are completely independent of a locking differential. Okay. Normally, so yours might have a uh, a GovLock, GM called it, or a limited slip type differential. Um, it may have that option, but those shouldn't affect that at all, especially at those slow speeds. Okay. Cause that, so if, I'm really, as far as getting any better traction, like if I'm in a situation where I've got one wheel's a little... It's just two-wheel drive. If one wheel is slightly high-centered... In, or just, you know, in an uneven situation, and that wheel wants to spin, it's not going to still send power to the wheel that has got the good traction. That's what I thought it did, is actually, if that's what locking differential is or positive traction, it's sending equal power to both wheels, so one wheel will have the capability to pull you out of a, uh, low traction situation. It can't. So uh, a pause attraction or a, a limited slip differential like that, basically it puts friction on the gears inside the differential so that it helps to transfer power. It uh, A true locker will actually lock the two tires together so they have to turn at the same rate. Well, something okay. like that is going to wear out tires really fast on the, on the road and make the car harder to drive when you're on the highway. The Limited slip allows them to slip and and move at different speeds, but then in a low traction situation, it's going to help even it out. Um, okay. The the um, traction control should actually take if you have one tire. Let's say the left tire is up uh, in. A, let's say the left tire is in in uh, um, mud, and the mm-hmm. uh, right tire is on the asphalt. What it's going to do is it's going to t- take the brakes and apply brake pressure to that left tire to try to make both tires spin at the same rate. Mm-hmm. So then that actually, if done properly, and depending on the year and how the programming's done and everything else, that actually will help give you better traction, leaving the traction control on, because it will use the brakes to apply. And the, um, uh, oh shoot, sorry, Land Rover did a really good job on some of their higher-end models years ago, and they actually, you'd go crawling uh, through the mud or snow or whatever, and then it would actually apply the brake to the slipping tire so that it gave power to the other side, acting like a limited slip without having a limited slip in the vehicle, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does, and that's what I thought this vehicle had in the manual. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm pretty sure I read in the manual. They say the only time to turn those off is when you're stuck in mud or snow. Hmm. Okay. And I don't know exactly. Uh, that's why I assumed, oh, it's a sort of like a locking differential or something similar to that, that it would you know, give equal power to both wheels to get you out of that sort of stuck in the snow or the mud. 
And that's how I believe it's designed. But being that it's it's an idea like a internal combustion engine and going, well, Jason, so my internal combustion engine has eight cylinders. I'm like, well, I don't know what it's got in it. I just know it's an internal combustion engine. Um, I have to look deeper into the engine, you know, to, it, as an mm-hmm. example. Um, mm-hmm. So on this, <clears throat> ideally, that's what it would do is it would apply the brakes to make it act like a, a limited slip or a locking differential. How capable it is on your particular model, I have no experience with, and I don't know what it would do. Okay. Um, I okay. would try to leave the traction control on as much as possible. Now, the flip side, though, is if you're an experienced driver and you've experienced these conditions and you know how to drive in them, it could make you feel differently or it could give you weird inputs to where your body tells you to do the wrong thing and you make it worse. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, so it's yeah. trying to no, help, but your brain I mean, telling you no. Historically, I didn't. I would just, just through you know trial and error, I learned how to drive in mud and snow, and when to goose it and when to back off, and all that. Right, like the rest of us. Right, so it could go against that and make you change how you do it. Kind of like my skateboard incident when you take mm-hmm. that skateboard and go from cement to let's say carpet or a rug mm-hmm. type of thing, and all of a sudden the wheels change, and now your brain says, wait a second, I gotta do something. Your brain doesn't do the right thing to make up for it. it, it it's kind of that same idea. Okay. Okay? Okay, thank you very much. Thank you. Hopefully that helps, and I hope it makes sense. All right, so we have Tom from Pismo Beach. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing this morning? Good morning. Um, your show solved my... Um, car problem, which which was how a low battery could affect the computer, but still start the car. So could you talk about that a little bit? Okay, I can. That's perfect. Uh, we just had one of those yesterday. Oh, um, <laughs> I shop. just had one of those last week. <laughs> that, um, I, I listened to the mortgage show after yours, and I turned in 10 minutes early. And and that's and that's what I heard you guys talking about. Oh. So um, my shop couldn't solve it, but you guys did. I think we ran a rerun. We were on a rerun last week. No, I'm, I'm oh. going like three weeks back. Oh, uh, we okay. were on a rerun then too. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> so, great though. Yeah, I mean, maybe um, maybe uh, yeah. I think I remember that episode. So okay, so what happens is. And and it's hard to see in our brains sometimes, but I've actually graphed it and seen it in class and done it myself. But when you have a uh, a battery and a and a and a starter on your car, so when you go to start your car, the instant that the motor the the starter motor engages. It pulls, it, it's a dead short. It's a physical dead short to ground, just like if you'd put the positive and negative ca- cables together. Um, but it's only for just a millisecond. I mean, just, you know, three milliseconds or something. It's a dead short, and it can pull, oh, it can pull 1,000 uh, or more amps in that millisecond. When everybody goes, wait a second, no, it can't, Jason, because you'll blow their system and my battery's not capable of, and, and there's all these reasons. But it can because it's only for a millisecond. The whole system can handle it. And then that motor starts to turn, 
And once it starts turning, now the amperage starts falling off, and it starts pulling the proper amount of amperage, which is, yeah, I'm going to say anywhere between 140 and 250 amps, depending on the car and the make and everything. So during that instantaneous time, if the battery connection is not good, either negative or positive, um, and, and anywhere between the little post on the battery all the way down to the engine block and anywhere from the post of the battery all the way down to the starter and all the wiring in between, if, if there's an issue in there, what happens is the voltage that's supplied drops. So instead of 12.7 volts available, it drops because of a bad connection to, let's say, let's say 9 volts or 10 volts. And then now we want to pull a thousand amps out of it. Well, our amperage has to make go higher because we have less available voltage. So now we're pulling 1500 amps. So our available voltage to all of our computers and everything drops from, let's say, nine, 10 volts down to six volts. And they don't understand six volts. So then they end up having uh, uh, communication errors and failures that are all kinds of weird stuff because they don't understand. They're not programmed to sit down and go, well, if you see a six-volt situation, do this, because they should never see that six-volt situation. So it can cause a lot of a tremendous amount of headaches for everyone so having good battery connections and good cables is very very important having a good battery is very important and and we're almost at the shop point in the shop where i just want to sit down and say your battery's five years old throw it away you know but it tests good i know but it's five years old throw it away because all the computers in the car depend upon that battery and on some of our <clears throat> stop-start cars, in other words, those cars that you hear starting at every stop sign, they actually have a second battery that goes to all the computers to keep them alive and protect their internal structure while that car starts and stops at stop signs. So there's one battery that everything runs on, and then for all the memory circuits and all the protection and talking stuff, all the higher functions, it has a separate little battery that's about, I don't know, uh, uh, um, two inches, three inches tall and about the size of your cell phone. So battery voltage is king in our new cars. I tell people, in the old days, shoot, I remember my old, wow, my old car, I remember we'd go as going as a kid, going, wow, I wonder if the alternator's no good. No, no, no. You know how you check it? No. Well, you disconnect the battery cable. If it keeps running, the alternator's good. If it doesn't, the alternator's no good. Wow, that was a great, simple side of the road, check a, check a battery. You don't do that in your new car, because if you do that in your new car, you can run the risk of damaging thousands of dollars of computers. Because when you disconnect the battery, the alternator spikes voltage, and just like they don't like 6 volts, they really don't like 24 volts or 36 volts, which the alternator can easily produce without a load. So that's how I look at all these things. I look at um, if a computer has an issue, uh, check engine light, whatever, and one of the top things are communication and low voltage. They'll say there's a code for over voltage or under voltage. Um, the first thing I start looking at is where, what's going on with my power? What's happening with the alternator? What's happening with the starter? What's happening with the battery? What's happening with the connections? And see if those are a problem. If they are, then we cure those first before I do anything else. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, no, it makes, it makes perfect sense. My case, a little bit different, 
the car sat for a week without, without being driven. And then the alarm started going off for no reason at all. Oh. Well, I, but the car would still start easily, so I got in the car and I drove 30 miles, and that, that, that solved the problem. Wow. Does that make sense? <clears throat> no, that makes perfect sense. Wow. Interesting. So the alarm didn't like the voltage, thinking it was being disconnected. Wow. But you still had enough reserve power in your battery to start the car. That's cool. Right, which isn't, um, I'm an older guy, that, that, uh, that isn't the old-fashioned way. Usually the, the, first, the first thing you found out was the car wouldn't start. Yeah, agreed. And that's what I would expect, the car not to start. Wow. Uh, what it, kind of it, car do you have? It, it, it's it, it's a fourteen ridge line. It it started right away, and then after driving it and charging it up a little bit, then it was fine. Wow, interesting. So, ha, did you charge it at any? Did you charge it any other way other than driving? No, just driving. Okay, so you may want to put it on a charger. Okay, um, depending how old the battery is, you may want to replace it. But you you I would put it on a trickle charger or a a, a battery maintainer or something like that, so you can bring that battery all the way back up. Because even though you're driving it, it still it's not fully charged. It's it's more charged. But let's say even after that long a drive, you're at let's say 70%, which is fine. It'll start and run, but the, the reserve capacity of that 30%, the top off of that 30% isn't there. So you're going to find yourself still having odd problems and weird problems potentially when the car sits for a couple of days. Well, I'll keep my, my eye out for it. But in, in my case, I, I drove from Pismo to, to my shop in San Luis Obispo, and by the time I got there... Um, my battery was fine. You know, when 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 they when they read the amperage, the amp the amperage was was pretty good. Uh, so I I think maybe I just have a good charging system. You do, and it is good. But w- once again, the you're I have found that even though it starts and runs and it passes tests, you really do want to charge it. And I would try. I, I, I would advise going to Westside or or someplace and buying yourself a battery maintainer, sticking it on the car, letting it sit there overnight until it's fully charged. It will make a big difference on battery life uh, and vehicle health. Um, I think you'll you'll see that it's kind of like uh, in I don't know it may be similar to the Pebble. Um, the other day I had this rock in my shoe, and I swear it was the size of my thumbnail. It was huge. It had to be. It had been bugging me for hours. I pull it out, and I can almost see the little guy, a little tiny nothing, nothing. And that that in my mind, that's similar. It's nothing, nothing right now, but it after a while, it could feel really big, and it could cause other problems. I would really recommend getting a, a battery maintainer if you can of some sort, okay? Well, no, I'll, 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 I'll heed your... Advice, and I did come into your shop and, and talked it over with you guys. So my next, my I talked to Katie, I guess. Oh wow! Okay. So next car problem, it'll be with you guys. Oh, thank you. But, but uh, I will get a a, a maintainer. It, it sure can help. And then you can leave it. If you get a maintainer that, that turns itself on and off, a self-regulating one, then when you go out of town or you don't use the car, you can just toss it on there. And when you get back, it's rock and roll, red hot, and ready to have fun. And I, I assume that none of them will overcharge. They'll all cut themselves off. 
On the battery maintainers, the design to be left on, correct. Now, a battery charger that's only two amps can destroy your battery, if that makes sense. Yeah, 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 amperage is low enough, yeah. Um, so you want a floating battery charger, basically, so that, that it, and it will say on battery maintainer, floating battery charger, and let, make sure that when you talk to the salespeople or whatever, that they give you the right one. And I leave mine on. I shoot, I've got one on the Jeep that's been on there for three weeks right now, and I just leave it on, and I love it. I put them on all my. I I, I have two that I switch around between vehicles. I've got one that's been on for two weeks, one's been on for a month, one that's so. I move them around my different batteries so that makes the that keeps the batteries alive and makes them last a lot longer. And Westside has more than one model. I believe Steve or Westside does. If not, talk to him, and I know he can get him in for you. Okay. And he should be right, open well, till noon today. It's been great, and uh, probably see you someday. All right, sounds great. I in, come in and introduce yourself. I'd love to hear hear from you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful weekend. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and be right back. Good breaking point there, actually. Yeah, we got a classic commercial going back to the 1960s with the Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote. Hey, beep, beep. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah, and of course, every time a trunk gets slammed or the door gets slammed, somehow Wiley Coyote is being harmed there by the Roadrunner. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> but it's for the Plymouth Roadrunner and the other Plymouth cars at that uh, in the 1960s. Awesome. Plymouth sale is now. Featuring special savings on specially equipped Fury, Valiant, Barracuda, and Belvedere models. Savings on such extras as white wall tires, vinyl roof, all vinyl interior, and other popular options. All during the Great Plymouth sale. Go for a great deal on specially equipped Plymouths. Head for your Plymouth dealer. You'll see, when Plymouth has a sale, it isn't just good, it's great. got that deer in the headlights look from the salesperson at your local auto parts store this unfortunately is common these days but don't stress there is an easy solution try shopping at west side auto supply steve kevin and jackie have over 130 years of combined experience in the auto parts industry they will only sell you the top quality parts for your hot rod or daily driver their prices are competitive with the box stores so head to west side auto supply at 56 prado and slow buy the best from the best west side auto supply Absolute Auto Tech in San Luis Obispo wants to extend thanks to all of their loyal customers over the years. Drive safe on the roads and take the time to maintain your automobiles. You can count on Absolute Auto Tech for high quality repairs for your safety and safe driving needs. Absolute Auto Tech has been performing auto repair services since 1997 at the corner of Sacramento Drive and Capitolio Way in San Luis Obispo. Come by or call 547-1062. That's 547-1062. I know. Shouldn't be doing that. Okay. Not the professionals have all the singing, Jason. Me too. <laughs> 
<laughs> Everyone wants to see me wait for the special dude. <laughs> <laughs> I always felt bad for the coyote. Uh, you ever think Acme got some great advertisement out of it, though, too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I noticed the other day I had a customer in the shop, and um, ni- ni- a really nice guy, a really great guy, and he was, uh, we were, uh, he, when Katie... Uh, she helps us out there. She's great. Yeah, Katie. Uh, kudos to Katie. Katie. The last yeah. caller just mentioned her too. Yeah. So Katie was uh, she she was looking at the car to make sure that we got paper and plastic out of it and everything and ready for the customer to pick up. And she noticed that the car didn't like the remote. It said the battery was low in, in, in the remote for the customer. So um, she called the customer and said, "Hey, your battery's remote, remote's low. Would you like us to change the battery?" And he goes, "Yeah, that'd be great." So I'm going. I'm, I'm taking the remote apart to change the batteries, and in his remote is the spare key, the my battery's dead, lockout key type of thing, and it's missing. And it's no big deal. The car starts, the car runs. Who cares? No big deal. Well, what I tried to explain to the customer is, is and and. It was really nice talking to him because he was understanding and and he agreed with me. So that's kind of nice. But um, my problem is that when you have that remote and the battery does go dead, well, then it doesn't unlock the doors. And you may have the remote in your hand, but it doesn't unlock the doors. So most all cars have a spot somewhere on the outside of the car that you can use a physical key to actually unlock the car and get into it. I don't know about Tesla, but every other car I've ever worked on has that ability. Well, he doesn't have that key. So if his remote's dead, he's stuck. He can't get in the car. He can't do anything if the car's locked. So you yeah. you walk, you get to the mall. It's a keyless entry car, keyless a key, keyless, complete, keyless remote car. So you just leave the remote in your pocket. You walk up to the car. You push the button on the side. It opens because it recognizes the remote. You jump in the car. You push the start button. It, it starts up and dries off. No big deal. You get to where you're going, and you get used to warnings that don't seem to change your life. Um, you know, the let's see, uh, the flashing red light for whatever oh i know what the highway signs mm-hmm. that are up there and they say you know stop smoking uh high yeah. winds well if there are no high winds you kind of just ignore them yeah yeah whatever and you just keep on running yeah. um if you're not driving if you're driving a little tiny car um, if you're driving a small sedan or a mid-size sedan big winds aren't a big deal if you're pulling a great big semi-truck box trailer well then big winds get to be a big deal because they'll blow the thing right off the road mm-hmm. um and i've seen it um so, warnings in our lives that aren't a big deal. A little tag in the mattress that says blah, 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 blah. I never even read one, actually. Yeah. But it's on every mattress ever purchased. Which, once by again, the way, you can remove. <laughs> once just again, can't remove yeah. it at the uh, place where you buy uh, okay. the mattress. Well, so, those kinds of warnings I've been ignoring my whole life. There's a little yeah. warning on the sheets for your bed. Yeah, okay, well, whatever. And then I ruin them. I go, ah. So... We have all these warnings, and, and if the little warning on the dash keeps saying, hey, I don't like the battery on your fob, but it works, you're like, yeah, well, whatever. So what I told him, though, is that we fixed it. Okay, now the light's off, the fob's ha- the car's happy with the fob, all good. GM, the one that drove me nuts, would, it's had some code on the instrument cluster, and it would say, you'd open the car and say DW4. What's a DW4? Or um, D. DR1. 
What's a DR1? Well, it's driver remote one. Okay, okay w- what's that mean? Well, uh, if you look in the owner's manual, DR1 means the battery is low on, on the key fob. Uh, well, then tell me the battery is low on my uh, key fob. Don't tell me DR1. <laughs> I don't know what DR1 I know what DR1 is. is. Yeah. I, I would have thought you would have low or something. DW40 or WD, you know. <laughs> WD40, <laughs> like, well, know they just got, somebody was dyslexic and they meant WD40. <laughs> <laughs> so it always drove me nuts. And the first few times I didn't yeah, know what it was, yeah. I had to open the owner's manual and figure out what this means. Oh, yeah. your remote battery's well. Okay. Well, on in his case, though, if if he had kept driving the vehicle, he could have come across a time where he got to the mall, he got to the beach. Let's say he's going to go run over at Pismo for the day. He's going to run. Well, sweetheart, I'm jumping the car. I'm going to take a uh, hike down down the, the beach, Oceano Dunes. Okay, see you in a little while. Perfect. Goes and parks his car, um, jumps out, puts a remote in his pocket, locks the door, and leaves. When he comes back, the remote's dead. Well, now the car won't open. Well, he left his cell phone inside the car because he didn't need it to run with. So he can't call his wife to tell him tell her that he needs the other key. Mm-mm. He's got no car, no remote, no nothing because he doesn't have the little physical key to get in. Yeah. So there's something to be said for those little physical keys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is very, and it's it's one of those things. Once again, it's no big deal. I mean, yes, he he's, if if he can walk on the beach, he can walk to a, a store and call physically call his wife now. Tell me something. For those of us in the electronic age, what's your best friend's phone number? What's your daughter's no phone idea. number? I don't know what my daughter's phone number is. And she's sitting right here next to me, and I don't know her phone number. She's had her phone for, what, three years now? I still don't know her phone number because it's in my phone. The other, mm. day, the other day she called, and the phone number came up in the car. And mm. I'm like, I don't know whose phone number that is, but let's answer because it's 805. See who it is. <laughs> <And> it's her. <laughs> So, uh, how does he call his wife to tell her to come get him uh, if he doesn't know his own phone number or her phone number? Oh, I could Google it. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> so he's got to call yeah. what? So, and, 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 yeah. I, and I know this is a worst case scenario, and I'm not trying. Uh, I'm not making fun of him. I'm making fun of me, but because I don't know, um, I used to have all these numbers in my head. I used to have uh, at least ten to twenty phone numbers in my head. I know a few, and most of them are suppliers for the shop because I don't want to break out the paper yeah, to look. Call it so often. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. we 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 all need help. We all um, we all have problems. It's be- it's best to have someone on your side. And I've been saying this for years. If you're going to drive a car, you really want to have a professional that you trust and like. That can give you good advice, and if it's and if it's you know um, Rona's or or uh, uh, Sunset Honda or Malahi Ford or or whoever, having someone there and a group of people to help you with your car concerns, your car issues, and even if you're a person that changes your own oil and has a tire machine at your house, you know to program a Chrysler. A newer Chrysler vehicle, 2018 and newer, I have to have a, a laptop. I have to have an interface. I have to have access. Uh, the interface has to be updated. Um, I have to have access to three different programs in Chrysler so that I can program a Chrysler computer to update it. Or if I need to replace the tri- Chrysler computer to um, to change to put the new program in, okay? So 
um, that is three, three or four thousand dollars worth of machinery. I guess I can go cheap and buy used and some other stuff. But then, oh, I also have to have internet access, um, and, and it has to be high speed internet. Um, so I've got to have a lot of things all lined up before I can change the program in a car or put a module in a car. And I can't just go to the wrecking yard and get the same module out of the same car and put it in my car because it won't like my car because it's married to that other car. Is that just for Chryslers, too? Or if somebody brings in a Dodge or a Jeep, is it completely well, you have to have different? Okay, so all Chrysler. All so, Chrysler. But then you got to figure about the fact that you also have to have it for Ford and yep. General Motors. Well, Ford and, and GM are much easier. Toyota's pretty easy. Honda's pretty easy. But uh, I did uh, Hyundai or Kia the other day, and um, I had everything sitting there. Couldn't program it. Still haven't figured out why. Had to take it to the dealership. Had them program it because I couldn't figure out why. Hmm. And I had help. And my the, the guys that do nothing but programming couldn't help me. Uh, Nissan, same thing. All done. This guy programs four Nissans a day at least. This guy's helping me. He couldn't figure out what I was doing wrong. Done. Can't do it. So <clears throat> this is a working professional with people that are even specialized in that particular position. Can't help me sometimes. Can't help you out. So you really want to make sure that in our complex, horrible, horribly <laughs> complex car lives that you have someone that can help you. And it and it helps you two ways. It helps you in that you know who to go talk to. I mean, my mom was my answer person when she passed. Uh uh who 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 do I do I ask uh, how to spell that? How do I ask how to how to make macaroni and cheese? Who do I ask how to how to fold the sheets properly? Whatever she helped me with in life. Uh, she helped me with a lot of stuff. Who do I ask? So I had to find a whole new support group to help me with these. How do you how do you uh how do you, how do you make uh, uh boiled eggs properly? You know, um, <laughs> Ashley's like maybe it didn't get through on that. Explode! I think it's been too long. <laughs> Probably, but do you know that until you do it? No. Um, there's all these things we have, all these questions we have in life, and automotive. The the problem is, is if I ruin a set of eggs, I may be sick for a, a day or so. Um, I may get food poisoning, or they may taste horrible, and I throw away a dozen eggs or five eggs or whatever, and then I'm out four bucks. Um, if something happens with your car, you could be out thousands of dollars. Um, you know, a transmission anymore is oh, a transmission anymore is anywhere between four and twelve, fifteen thousand dollars for a transmission on your car. Mm-hmm. Well, did I ruin it? Could I have extended his life? W- what could I have done differently? And Having someone that has the answers to those questions or able to find or send you to the right person with the answer to those questions is really big. And I I encourage everyone to build a relationship. Like I said, whether it's the dealership, whether it's the aftermarket, whether it's the your grandfather, the, the guy that lives in the corner, whoever. And honestly, having all of those is even more powerful because they may not know the particular answer to your question. And... You know, it's nice to to have answers and have the right answers. And if you have one of all of those things, you have the ability to go, hey, Frank, next door, uh, my car tells me there's a light out. Do you have any idea how to change that? Could you show me or help me? 
Oh, yeah, no problem. So you're not going, it's going all the way to another town to a dealership for a stupid light bulb. Um, not that light bulbs are stupid, but to do something simple. At the same time, hey, Frank, uh, my uh, wrench light is on. Uh, do you have any idea? Nope, never seen a wrench light, man. I'm really curious. Tell me what it is. So then you go to the, uh, another option, grandpa or, or the dealership or your aftermarket um, service provider. I and, got a question for you. That- okay. Maybe come it's more maybe for an aesthetic value of a car or maybe for um you know, if some if it did happen at the right time, you could cause some damage or an accident. Um but the hubcaps. When you take the hubcaps off the car, how important I've heard it is kind of important that they go back onto the same wheel, same rim they came off of. No. Is that not is that true? Not at all. Okay. No, it doesn't matter. Now, okay. if you have different size wheels, yes. Okay. But if you're a normal sedan that all four tires and four wheels are the same size, mm-hmm. it won't matter. Now, you're gonna a lot of them. You want to position them in the right place compared to the valve stem. Okay. If you put them on wrong, you can damage the valve stem, mm-hmm. um, either right then or in the long term. You know, several months later, it could damage the valve stem, which make the tire leak air, which if the tire goes low on pressure, damages the tire, could cause an accident type of thing. But Mm -hmm. uh, hubcaps are just aesthetic. They're just for beauty. Yeah. That's why I said if one comes off more, it's, well, darn, I have to go buy new hubcaps now. And where am I going to get it except for maybe a wrecking yard? You Uh, could. Depending. Wrecking yards are tough because they have to have hubcaps change. You can have the same model car. So a Ford Focus. And in 2018, have two different kinds of hubcaps on it. They could have four different kinds of hubcaps, potentially two different wheel sizes and two different looks. Um, well, it's hard as a wrecking yard to have your hubcap when there's four on that 2018 and, in, and in, on that 20, 40, 2018, you know, focus. Um, but, and then the problem is, is that in 2019, they may change the design. So, in 2022, they may change the design again. So even though they have hubcaps for a forward focus, they're not the same as yours. And hubcaps are very easily damaged, tapping curbs and whatnot. So they may have a set of two, and you have two that look one way and two look another way. There's a place, I want to say they're in Bakersfield, that buys a lot of them from wrecking yards. And 1-800-HUBCAP or something like that, 1-800-WHEEL. And they could help you most likely find that. You can go on the internet. And they have thousands of them. And they can go, yeah, I can get you that one or those a set of four. Or or you can go down to Westside or one of the auto parts stores and buy a set of generic ones if you want, you know, just generic hubcaps. Um, I don't really like hubcaps, but it's a lot less expensive than replacing your steel wheels with aluminum wheels that do look nice. Uh, the flip side, though, is I don't like aftermarket wheels. Mm-hmm. Aftermarket wheels are a miserable nightmare most of the time. The lug nuts, they have to have special lug nuts. They have to have the, – it's harder to put air in them. Sometimes they don't they don't rotate well. There's Well, sometimes the rims lock on your car, too. What do you right? mean lock on your car? Well, don't you uh, – if have you have a locking locks, wheel right? lock, yeah. But you can have wheel lock stock from factory. Okay. Um, that's not uncommon. But, yes, they have wheel locks. There's a bunch of things that happen. You have to special socket sometimes to take off your wheels on, um, <clears throat> on with the aftermarket wheels. Uh, n- not that they can't look pretty and dress your car up a lot. Don't get me wrong. They just – add a level of hassle, an extra level of hassle that's not necessary as far as for maintenance and whatnot. Yeah. But, well, I think it's more of an aesthetic thing when they come right. off, you know, sometimes. But, you know, if they do come off at the right time, you know, it could come off in front of somebody else and then they swerve or whatever. Oh, and yeah. Could, 
You know, it could damage their car or cause an accident. You know? And a wheel and tire spinning, uh, they can travel a long way. A quarter mm-hmm. mile is mm-hmm. not unreasonable for a spinning wheel and tire at speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a hubcat can go a long way, too, a lot longer than you would think. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've, I've seen all kinds of weird things over the years. <clears throat> and one of my customers bought a vehicle, got... I don't know, 50, 100 miles from where he bought it. He bought it from out of state, and they were driving home, and it lost one of the tires, the wheel and tire. <clears throat> they looked for hours, put a, put a reward out to give some, if somebody found it. No one ever found it, at least not that knew about the reward. Yeah. No one could find the stupid wheel and tire. And it was, they, they saw it drive off into the bushes, still couldn't find it. Wow. So, um, it's amazing how well they hide. We were talking about when we were out in the desert, uh, someone else had lost a tire and wheel. My spare tire fell off my side-by-side because of life. And it was, I don't know, two power poles away from where I was riding. It rolled off into this, off into the desert. And I had I'd, I'd given up. And finally, I'm like, oh, I'll make a couple extra loops. And I came across it. Actually, it's, out of the corner of my eye, I saw it way off. Never would have thought it was that far away. Uh, uh, it's amazing how those round things spin. Yeah, exactly. That's what they're designed to do. Yeah. <laughs> but they're not really, it's not a great idea when they spin and they're off your car in a certain yes, instance. Yes, <laughs> Putting them so on properly is very, very important. Sometimes you wish they just fall over on the ground <laughs> yes. and stay. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> putting, them, putting them on properly is very, very important. And, and um, you know, part of our... Part of I was thinking about this the other day. Part of our problem in my industry, the automotive industry, is that people are spending a lot of money, and it's very hard. And then if something happens, anything negative in the process happens, there can be a lot of hard feelings, especially when there's not a lot of explanation. When when your mechanic sits down and says you need a water pump, and it's eight hundred bucks, all you know is you're spending almost a thousand dollars on something you never heard of and don't ever want never never knew existed why they need to do it and if anything happens along the way afterwards whether the water pump fails you have a low coolant warning light on um there's leaks whatever now you're very very frustrated because you paid all this money to have something you never wanted changed changed and um what why why do we have all these problems and there's a lot of hurt feelings and so having a relationship with that person that changed that water pump, first of all, allows you more comfort in asking questions that you may believe are not relevant or stupid, which, as far as I'm concerned, there are no stupid questions. But it also, when something happens, you know, you feel more comfortable calling them and saying, hey, something doesn't, something's weird, something's off. And so that's why I try to end, end all of my transactions with if there's any problems or questions please give us a call because yeah. i really do want to be there to help whether it's related or not whether we ca- cause it can cure it whatever i want to be part of that because that's part of what the service that you're paying for is not just to remove and replace the water pump part of that well your rep- your <clears throat> reputation's on it too well it is but even if you forget all of that part of what i feel you're paying for is the support of that, whether it's mental, physical, <clears throat> whatever, uh, uh, technical, and and asking questions, whether you feel as a customer that they're stupid or not, 
is is very vital and important to me. And I don't, I'm, you know, my thing is always there's only dumb question, one not asked. Um, so ask ask your professional. Be comfortable with them, um, whether it's doctor or or a plumber or or whoever. The the guy that sells you the meat behind the counter, I ask all kinds of stupid questions. I'm like, dude, it's meat. I want to know. Where to come from? What, what's the best one? How do you prefer, how do you recommend serving? I, all these stupid questions. And I'm sure the guy by the counter is like, I've only answered this four hundred thousand times. <laughs> but yeah. to be good at their job, they need to click and go. Well, it's going to be four thousand and one. Here you go, sir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have a radio show to tell everybody about this. <laughs> we can't afford to have all of us have a radio show. Just be nothing but noise. <laughs> yeah. So be very, be very confident. It's your money. Mm-hmm. Their work for you, and and make sure that you're comfortable with what you're doing and what they're doing. Um, ask lots of questions. It's super important. And if it if it helps, if it helps you being uncomfortable with asking questions, think about it this way: in their day of fixing this and talking about that and looking up this and all that stuff, they get to spend a few minutes teaching. Mm-hmm. And they get to few, spend a few minutes opening your eyes and helping you understand. And that can be very rewarding. I mean, there are these people they have in these government-run buildings. They're called teachers. And they show up for some reason. They put up with <laughs> our kids. Sometimes they show up. Um, <laughs> and there must be a reason. Because from what I understand, most of them are not super wealthy, making a lot of money so they must really enjoy the teaching so give the that opportunity to the person that service provider whoever that's there to teach you what they're doing and why they're doing it and it can be rewarding for both parties and like i said it helps for the future if there's any concerns if something completely unrelated happens you have built a bond with this person and uh, it can really help out um and I hope that helps you be more comfortable. I want to see it in my shop. I love answering questions and helping people with their cars. And um, Jim, tell me I got to shush my mouth. I guess it's been two weeks <laughs> since I've been on the radio. <laughs> hope you guys have a great weekend. Enjoy and have fun and ask questions. Thank you so much for listening. Bye bye now. The 920 KBEC Podcast Network is presented by the Slow County Real Estate Podcast with House Swayze. Up-to-date information on the local real estate market on your time. New episodes weekly at the podcast link at 920kvec.com and wherever you get your podcasts. California DRE 01111911.